This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And fall out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. And welcome back to another exciting episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. With me, as always, my good friends and co-hosts, Eric Branson and Ryan Skysel with his recently announced athletic supporter. Yeah. How's it going, guys? Going great. <laughs> yeah, how's that going, right? Uh, you know. I don't even know what you're talking about. You mentioned it right as we were hitting record, and I didn't want to ask a question, so <laughs> I'm asking it now. But I couldn't let it go ignored. <laughs> yeah, I figured. Well, uh, I, I have a ulnar nerve that uh, likes to misbehave in my dominant arm, and it sucks hmm. when you're an artist, and it's like you really feel it in your forearm. Like It's like, oh, cool, Like my ring and pinky are going numb. I should probably straighten that out. I, is that kind of like how Neil Gaiman, like when he would do the, because he doesn't do them as much anymore, like the book signings, and literally mm-hmm. he'd be signing thousands of autographs in a day, and he'd have to ice his elbows, like put a, like dunk them in ice water. It might be. It's it's not like okay. an uncommon thing. It's just like yeah. it's, um, it's probably honestly it's because, I like to think it's probably because of like the way that I draw. I have, I have no delicate touch. It's it's a very it's hard to learn delicate touch for me. I, I used to break crayons. Mm. I probably still break crayons if I use crayons. Um, so like I'm like oh this can't be really good. And you think it would be in your hand. It's like oh no it's in your elbow and you has, don't know. Has anybody it. to to soften the touch? Has anybody ever tried whispering like you know sun's going down big guy? Yeah, that usually leads to <laughs> masturbation though, dude. So, <laughs> which, which in which case, softer touch. You know? um, I think that's what. Yeah, caused then you the injure yourself touch, in other more uncomfortable ways. So. Yeah, that's no, it's, the ultimate <laughs> softer touch. That does, yeah, um, it's one of those things because we're going down the dark territory. Um, yeah. It's like it's it sucks because if I just put my elbow down on a table, like it's an instant. You know, like a funny bone pain. It, yeah. It's that. Oh, right. It's that exactly, and it's just just gently setting ah, down yeah, my elbow. Fuck that. I'm that's like, awful. Yeah, I'm like, oh, that's that's <laughs> almost like an electrical shock. It is. It's well, it's yeah. nerve. It's yeah. it's yeah. it's a nerve that isn't is, going yeah, through so. the entrapment appropriately. So it's nothing serious. It's just like you just got to do some stretches and try to keep your arm straight when you sleep. And I'm I'm a guy who likes to be in the fetus position. How, how does one you know work on that like? I'm going to keep my arm straight while I sleep. It's like, when you fall asleep, like, no, my arm's going to go up. That's well, that's pretty what much the, that's <laughs> like, what essentially the brace is for. I keep saying okay, brace. So it does hold it. Yeah. It's not great. What I actually do is I just put a piece of cardboard in the where the joint is and just, like, hold it. Hold it there. There you go. That worked. Yeah. Um, We're going to MacGyver the shit out of this. <laughs> yeah. I, dude, if you want a pro, like a proper one, it's, like, 60 bucks at the cheapest. Like, one that actually is meant for, like... Um, I forget what it's actually called, but it's, uh, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to buy a $15 athletic brace for an elbow. And I'm just going to put like a folded cardboard in the joint when I go to bed at night. That just gives me just a, like about like 122 degree angle. And then like, there you go. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it works. There, there. Well, I answered your as fucking long as question. It does work. Everyone, yeah, yes, I'm 31 and I'm getting you old. You could have been a little more concise and just said, "Well, I'm old, not to wear this thing on my arm." Oh, we can so, also yeah, talk then, about yeah. the fact that I started a face, uh, a face uh, cream regiment too. Why not? <laughs> Got to take care of your this whole thing is making me. We feel could old. talk about that. But well, I mean, it's, it's making it's, me feel old. But you know what? It, you gotta take the care movie of your tonight skin. made me feel old too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm the youngest out of the three if, of us. That's yeah. If any listeners are left after you know the way we started the show, we are going to talk <laughs> about a movie. Yeah. <laughs> a long time. I think we try it. our hardest to scare everybody away at the think, the beginning sometimes. Some, so. Yeah, sometimes. Uh, the, the truly dedicated fan will go right, like, just yeah. like, they know. It's or like, every... okay, first 20 minutes, just skip, okay? Yeah, the dedicated fans are like, you get, you, you it's pretty good, I guess, but you gotta skip the first 10 minutes, because all we're gonna talk about is the weather and what hurts, and like, you know, <laughs> so. but, yeah. Then they're going to make fun of themselves for doing it like they do every week. Like, yeah. <laughs> Then they're going to comment on how that in itself is self-awareness. And then eventually they get to the fucking movie. Which this week is uh, one that actually, gosh, I mean, we're going to kind of probably follow the same formula we usually do. Because, you know, as our fans know, that's what we do. Um, but this is one I know I was like, I watched a ton when I was a kid. And I haven't seen it in... A very very long time so this was one of those some sometimes we review stuff on here that you know we've seen in the past but this is one of those deep cuts it's like holy shit this is taking me back um yep, same and so yeah we're gonna be talking about the 1988 uh, american dark fantasy drama willow from the creator of star wars from the director of cocoon a world is awakening with the strength of my great army, can you not find one little child? It's a dangerous world. That's why we need your help. Your journey has just begun. Willow. Heroes come in all sizes. But adventure doesn't come any bigger than this. I'm the child. Find the child! We are not afraid of you! After them! You're gonna get a kill! Adjust them completely. The next great adventure. You are great. Willow. Coming in May. So, okay, this one was uh, directed by Ron Howard and produced by George Lucas and written by uh, Bob Dolman. Uh, Stars Warwick Davis, Val Kilmer, Joanne Wally, Gene Marsh. um, Billy Barty. Billy Barty, yes. (laughs) And yeah. who else am I missing? Yeah, yeah. Um, gosh, so... Man, yeah, probably no. missing some. I'm missing <laughs> All those guys who are watching, actors. like, listening to this podcast. Or watching, I guess. Uh, Phil Fondacaro, who we remember from the podcast when we reviewed Bordello of Blood. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Good stuff. So, what was... Uh, and many other movies. He's in all kinds yeah. of stuff. But. So, Ryan, what's your history with this one? 
Uh, I didn't have one until uh, Disney Plus. Oh, you you've never you had never seen it before. No, I never grew oh, up wow. with it. It's one of those okay. things though where it's like I w- was always aware of it, and uh, one of my friends, I got like a handful of friends named David, and one of the Davids uh, was like, I asked him like, "Have you ever seen Willow?" And all he said to me is, "Willow, use the wand." And I that was it. There was no context beyond that until. <laughs> Uh, last year, where uh, my partner and I, we decided like, hey, let's watch Willow. We neither of us have ever seen it, and then it's like I'm always anticipating just that one thing throughout this whole movie, and it's like, oh, it's just one of the characters who is a goat, or it's a character yes. who gets turned into animals, and yeah, you know, whatever. Anyways, and at one point they are a goat, and that's all they said, and it's like, ah, oh, that was it. They didn't even he didn't even tell me it was said by a goat. <laughs> he, just said, he just said that and I'm like oh that said makes it like way a goat. more sense I mean, it, was a, it was implied but you know. but I mean like but yeah Warwick yeah. Davis uh, and that was it that's all I knew about it George about, Lucas of course and George yeah. Lucas yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what about you Eric what's your history with this one um this is one of those I don't really remember like definitively like the first time I saw it but I know I saw it many times <laughs> growing up um I'm sure, like most movies, it either came from the Pecatonica Public Library or our local video store. Probably the video store in this case. Uh, but yeah, I don't have that like definitive memory of like when the first time was. Um, but yeah, I saw this one, I don't even know how many times. But similar to you, Joe, like I saw it many, many times in a very short period of time. And then I have not seen it since. Like It's been years and years. And it's funny, like when you, when you do go back and see something... Um, that is that you've seen so many times, but it, you've been distanced from it. Uh, how familiar it is, and like how the, how your mind really does remember stuff, and it just like becomes instantly familiar again, even though you probably couldn't have repeated it, uh, you know, if you were forced to. But. Yeah. Um, so you would have seen this probably. So it came out in 1988. Uh, so you would have been seeing it probably around like 89, 90. Yeah, whenever it was released on home video, okay. I assume. Um, yeah. I did not see this in theaters. I would have only been three when it was released, not even probably two and a half. So, yeah, it would have been too early for me. So, yeah, I'm sure I'm seeing it, you know, probably within the first five years of its existence. But, yeah. Yeah, I had a, a cousin that was uh, that lived in Rockford, Illinois, and he was really – he was more of the target audience – um, cause he was around like 13. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and I remember like his, they went and saw it in theaters and he was talking about it and he really liked it. And he was into this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, like early computer games and dragon slayer and all that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, I know Which, by the way, it's another one we reviewed here on the podcast. That, Everyone's interested to yes. go back and look that one up. Um, and then, yeah, I remember watching this at his house, like, shortly after it came out on, on video. We'd rent it from Blockbuster or something like that. And, uh, and then, yeah, I think we, we we taped it off of HBO on a beta tape, so I would watch it you know, with commercials or whatever, wherever we saw it. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I... I know. Uh, and so, yeah, we grew up watching it a lot, <laughs> like, recorded off a of TV. Um but to give a, a quick so it was synopsis. like living on the mean in the mean streets of Pecatonica. Man. It yeah. really was. It just fucking really was. <laughs> I had to get my I had to get my Willow tape on bootleg, man. Um, I I actually that's how I saw ET as somebody like a family friend. I remember as a kid they had like they took actually different two different VHSs 
Oh, and they spliced. And yeah. they spliced it. I remember the operation done to it. And there was like a whole scene that was yeah. just like missing as a result. So like the longest time E.T. was just not even a complete film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw many, many movies around this time, uh, either taped off TV or taped from a different, I don't know, my, my dad, like, <laughs> outing him for crimes he committed, but, uh, for, Sorry, FBI. For, like, he's a, a person who I can't think of a time in any other respect that he would have broken any law, like, he's just one of those people, like, you know, law-abiding to a T, kind of annoyingly, um, you know, uh, clean-cut but when it came to like copying a rental tape, no problem. <laughs> just like here, let's hook the VCRs together, and we'll just save it for later, you know. So anyway, nice. The '90s was a yeah. wild time. It was a wild time. <laughs> yeah, right. It was 1989. It was a whole frontier. Uh-huh. He even helped me get uh, do some research to find a VCR when we were buying a new one that uh, would uh, buck copy protection when they came out with the Macrovision thing. So, oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because we were, people so were copying it. our movies, I guess. Yeah. But so anyway, so far, so, we started this yeah. mo- th- this, this podcast <laughs> with me and a and a athletic brace, and now talking about the good old days of video splicing. So yeah, we're on a good we're on a good roll tapes. with this one. So Warwick Davis <laughs> is in Willow, and he plays the title <laughs> character Willow, who's a reluctant farmer who plays a critical role in protecting a baby from a tyrannical queen who vows to destroy her and take over the world. We're making progress on this, guys. I feel good about this. I mean, the, the plot's formulaic <laughs> as hell. It is. It is. Right. It is. It is. It's something that when in, I was 13, I didn't so, notice. I or 10, I didn't notice, or whatever. I mean, have we noticed a trend here? I mean, George Lucas wrote the story. George Lucas is big time into, you know, formulaic adventure films. Yeah. We yeah. won't dive into any of the other ones. But, I can't think um, of a few. Certainly not a surprise. Um yeah, I think it's intentional. He 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 likes to kind of have those those archetypes and like carry these uh you know, kind of understood forms of uh story popular fiction. Yeah. So, yeah, storytelling, yeah. Yeah, it's always um, a reluctant hero. Yeah. I would I would say I also like, think it was a you, Go ahead. I was going to say I also think it was Lucasfilm and ILM's attempt at putting, you know, something that was you know, semi-Tolkien-ish. Uh, on yeah. on film, I mean, I, I don't know if they ever chased. I didn't read into it enough. I don't know if they ever chased the rights to actually get you know Lord of the Rings at some point. But this is certainly um, at the point when Willow's made, probably the closest thing that we've seen to kind of a Tolkien esque epic fantasy movie um, on on film with live action. So we we talked about um, in our Fire and Ice episode, we talked a little bit about Ralph Bakshi's. Uh, Lord of the Rings film, so that are that existed prior to this, but I'm talking live action movies. This is well, probably the closest thing I can think of. Well, if like we, I've, yeah. if you guys ever watched like the Ewok films, uh, mm-hmm. I think that that was like a realm that George Lucas was always trying to dip his toe into. That like always like tough to say if he ever really succeeded. I mean, looking at the Ewoks, no, but yeah. um, <laughs> but with Willow, like. Close, pretty close. Not dissing Willow. Like Willow is a good movie. It's I'm just saying, like, it's it's just not Lord of the Rings, Star Wars level. You know what I'm saying? It's right. not one of his most popular things. Like you get Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and then maybe maybe Willow. I'd say Willow more nowadays than it was when it first came out. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it it was it was definitely trying to kind of follow the coattails um, of you know like Return of the Jedi, um, you know, it, and I think they were kind of trying. It seems like they were trying to set something up. Um, yeah, and, I which, believe so. There's a series of books that came out that pick up the story after. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, George Lucas and uh, famous comic book writer Chris Claremont, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah, finished the series, and, and <laughs> let's take it with a grain of salt, because we all know that George Lucas likes to claim that he had it all planned, but, yeah. um, yeah, there are two more chapters of this that go on beyond Willow, um, in the book series, and supposedly the film novelization based on Bob Dolman's original script is a little bit bigger of a story as well, they went yeah. through quite a few changes before they got to production, but. I heard it, re- they really fleshed it out a lot more, um, mm-hmm. yeah. As well as Mad Mardigan apparently being a totally different character because of Val Kilmer. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's talk so. a little bit about some of the, the casting and the performances in this. And why don't we just start with, yeah, Val Kilmer plays Mad Mardigan, who's this like great sword fighter douchebag. He's your yeah. typical, you know, the, the douchebag hero. You got the reluctant, yeah. and then you got, the, he's the Han Solo of this one. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, a mercenary, but he's also kind of like a, I don't know, he's a little bit of a goofball, he's a little bit of a scumbag, he, he comes around to being a pretty decent guy, but um, I al- almost feel like we're not even sure, he claims he's this great swordsman, he certainly can use a sword, but I'm not sure I ever am convinced of his 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 braggery <laughs> when we first meet him is, is legit. Um, but yeah, he's, he's kind of your, uh, like you said, reluctant hero, and... Um, Val Kilmer plays him in a very interesting way because I feel like from scene to scene he kind of changes what he's doing with Mad Mardigan. Um, Adding the I don't know. How do you guys feel about his? Uh, yeah, about his take on the character. And I don't know. Obviously, we coming into Willow. It's it's an original work. We don't really have an idea of who this character is supposed to be. But to me, he seems off i don't know like he's almost a different guy scene to scene and i think that might have a lot to do with who played him but uh, yeah. yeah i i, I <laughs> kind of picked up on some of that too like he just in in some scenes he's a lot more level-headed and it, but it, it's not like oh because he's crazy no it's just it it just you're you're right it kind of feels like it's like they brought val kilmer in and gave them a very vague character and just kind of gave him his direction on each scene they were shooting, but without any yeah. coherency of the story. And I don't know how it was made, but, I mean, Ron Howard is a very skilled director. Yeah. So I, I don't this know. This was early in, early in his career, but, yeah. yeah. I guess he did, he did a movie in between this and Cocoon, but Cocoon was this real big, like, you know, major Hollywood hit movie, so I guess this, I was thinking this was his follow-up to that, but I guess he did a movie in between. Um, hmm. But yeah, uh, Val Kilmer's notoriously hard to work with, and we talked about that a little bit when we reviewed Real Genius. Um, mm-hmm. But, I don't know, you, there, you, you kind of read like whisperings of that being the case here. Um, he refused, supposedly, to work from the script, he didn't care for the way it was written and decided to ad-lib 90% of what he did in the movie. Um, 
I, you know, as a director, Ron Howard, obviously, he let that flyer, controlled it in a way that he saw fit and was happy with what he was getting or not. And he just hasn't spoken up about it either way. <laughs> um, but it seems to me just from like a standpoint of a story like this with a lot of moving parts and everything, like it would really be hard to work with a character or an actor you know, kind of gutting a character and reinventing them on set. <laughs> so as polite as everybody has been about this, and, and, and Val Kilmer has come back and he did like commentary and so some of the special features and stuff for re-releases of this movie. Um, as polite as everybody has been to him about this, I can't imagine this was an easy thing to take on or wasn't a bit disappointing <laughs> for the people involved. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I've heard, yeah, and we did talk a bit about it with, with that film as well, but uh, with Real Genius, I've heard that this was the one he was really, really hard to work with on. Yeah. Um, a lot of his, his, apparently some of the co-stars even had some issues. Um, when Warwick you... Davis supposedly have stayed close all, ever since, um, even to the point of when I was doing some reading about this, I saw pictures of them recently uh, post- Val Kilmer post tracheotomy um, pictures, so recently together. So I, still... I was gonna say, like, if anything, though, I think their chemistry, both uh, Val Kilmer and Warwick Davis, in this movie is it's just great to actually kind of watch. Yeah, yeah that's it that's is. what makes it work. Honestly, yeah. that's the only thing that makes it work. So. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk a bit about Warwick Davis in this as the title character. Will he's eighteen Willow in this one? actually and i think it's his first time that he's ever gotten a lead role and he's not in makeup yeah it's it's one of his rare out of makeup like even mm -hmm. to this day like he's been in you know, so many movies at this point but it's rare to see him out of makeup um he's warwick davis is good in this he's movie. very good great and, even like yeah and I hate to say that because i feel like i'm being like oh like he's really good you know for a little person or something but no, he's he's fantastic. Yeah, um, I would say as an eighteen-year-old, he's like incredibly good yeah. for an eighteen-year-old actor. And so when I say something like really like what I was saying, like what I'm saying, oh, he's actually really good in this. I think it's because people kind of like under expect from, you know, he's they think it's stunt casting essentially. Like they have to they have to cast a certain type of person for this role. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he's incredible in it, um, and I think he carries this whole movie on his shoulders. So he does. It's, uh, um, and it's kind of his like really dedication to this thing that, that that pulls it all together. And yeah, he's got he's got good chemistry with Val Kilmer, and there's there's a lot of good moments, and there's some cool monsters, and uh, it's just generally a great sword and sorcery movie. Um, but yeah, I think Warwick Davis is the glue of this whole thing, and yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's subsequently been great in a lot of stuff, but this is really his standout, I think, and especially his breakout role as well. Yeah. Well, I would even say that all of the the, the, the Nelwyn cast in this, the the, the villagers in, in Willow's Village, um, it's... It, it being characters that are little people, like the first thing, we were talking about this a little bit before, about how there's like some Lord of the Rings feeling stuff in this and it's like oh yeah well it's, you know hobbits is kind mm -hmm. of a, a thing um well they live removed from the rest of the society a lot like the shire and they're kind exactly. of keep themselves and like yeah 
it's very the the, the beats of a to- of of Lord of the Rings are all here. Sure. Um, and they just kind of you know. In fact, wrote the original title of this, George Lucas was going to call it Munchkin. Glad he didn't. But I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I. Yeah. I think that's a little bit of an unfair criticism because I think the original concept of this was for it to actually be Munchkins, as in L. Frank Baum's Oz Munchkins. Um, he is a spinoff from the Oz universe. Um, so he wasn't just like using that word as a, like, a, you know. No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> that's not what I was implying. Too. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So. Well, but, yeah, I'm, I'm glad it took this form and, and not that. I think yeah. this is. I was, ultimately more interesting of a movie. I, my, I was mainly kind of referencing more so when you guys were talking about the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbits. I'm like, yeah, it was going to be called Munchkin. <laughs> and then I'm like, no, it, you know, little little people in fantasy. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean, you can't tell me they're not based on Hobbits. I mean, that's yeah, right. the reason they went with Very that. Much. Well, and and the the whole like subplot here of, of Willow, he's like an aspiring sorcerer, right? And he's trying to become the apprentice of the High Aldwin, who's played by Billy Barty. It's one yeah. of my favorite characters Another. of this movie. Yep. There's a lot. I love I love Billy Barty and like pretty much everything <laughs> I've seen him in, so he's always memorable it's as just well. The, you know, the bird will show you the way and it flies off. What do we do now? Forget <laughs> the bird, follow the river. <laughs> just you know, it he's this kind of slightly cantankerous guy. Um, he's a, a bit of a fraud. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. A little bit of but he kinda knows when to when to use the real stuff and when to just like fake it. Um, so yeah, there, there, there's some really kind of fun performances in this, of, of these different characters. Um, the, the brownies I also wanted to, to bring, bring up. Um, yes. The ones that are kicking by, in or the ones that give you a stomach ache? Uh, the, 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 <laughs> the ones that tie you up. Yes. The stomach ache. And steal, <laughs> steal babies from, yeah. you know sword wielding mercenaries yeah so we've got um oh god i just had the whole list here uh kevin pollack and yep. rick overton as as rule and frangine the, the little brownies um those I brownies really are love... for yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're kind of like a seen fairy that doesn't fly right they're like small woodland peoples but yeah fairy sized like we're talking um you know the size of your hand type <laughs> and yeah. And there are fairies in this movie as well. So brownies and fairies exist separate from one another there, certainly. But um, live in some sort of understood community or, um, you know, amongst one another because the brownies, you know, and the fairies appear, well, essentially in the same scene and location. So, um, There's also Queen Bavmorda. Um, <clears throat> yes. Who's played by Jean uh, Marsh. Played by Jean Marsh, yeah. So. Yeah. A, a, a really classic villain. This was one I always uh, really liked her in. She was Very also like, like an upped version of like the Wicked uh, Queen Mother of Snow White. Like, yeah. If you really wanted that yeah. character to get like a deeper, more complex. Oh, I don't want to say more complex, but uh, it's just just pretty much watch her really fuck up some shit. I guess that's where I'm getting at with that. She I don't want to get more actually... credit than it deserves. Gene Marsh scared the shit out of me as a kid in Return to Oz. Oh, yeah. yeah. With the fucking headless. Yeah, she's... Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, same, same. Yeah. Between Return to Oz and Willow, which are, like, you know, just a couple years apart from one another, mm-hmm. 
I re- always remembered her as being terrifying, you know, and just this kind of villainess. And I, I get, I do, I get exactly what you're talking about, Ryan, with the, the like, um, evil queen vibes yeah. from her and the, her performance is great in this. And then I go back and, you know, become a doctor who fan and see her as an early doctor who companion, uh, short lived doctor who companion, uh, when she's young in, uh, the sixties with the first doctor <laughs> and, uh, kind of um she was also married to john pertwee who played the third doctor so she's all over doctor who history as well but um that, that's a perfect yeah, tie-in so, yeah. to your other show <laughs> <laughs> right oh yeah do a, should probably plug that more often but yeah i do a doctor who show as well you already know that if you subscribe to this because it comes out on the same um but yeah listen to that if you're interested if you like our old man gripes and jokes yeah i don't really have a whole lot of that on the other show so then you're better off going to the doctor <laughs> <laughs> no jokes, no jokes aside. um but yeah no she's she's incredible in this and um i was trying to think who else uh it, it's a great cast um yeah. i am not gavin O'Hurley is the name of the actor who plays eric, eric yeah thalbert yeah thalbert yeah <laughs> um well, we were talking yeah, a bit um, about this kind of before too. That there, there's a whole language, and it, you know, something that Lucas is very good at doing, right? Is oh, creating, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, some of the it, names are this, a little odd, but he did that very well in this film as well. Uh, one of the things that was really great about the original Star Wars trilogy, and and we are not going into Star Wars here, so just warning you guys. Um, <laughs> but was that that the, the, the world that he created or the you know galaxy he created felt so lived in because of all of that different the grit um, and everything mm-hmm. yeah the grit and just just kind of the different types of creatures that everything kind of had a name and like they just kind of it felt very natural the way it all kind of unfolded as you discovered it i feel like this movie has a very similar um because you start you know in, in the little uh village with willow and you start to discover the outside world as he ventures yeah. outside of it so you're kind of like it kind of the world kind of builds itself as willow kind of discovers and goes through you know his his journey of discovering um the world but yeah it's got a vocabulary and um in this movie it's a little bit hard to pick up on all of it if because uh, it is used it's not like ever like explained to you like which is which is good because i don't really love the info dump idea of like you know we're going to explain to you every bit of a every bit of the world and you know where each species or each um you know type community of people are living and uh yeah so it's i don't know it's 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 interesting but it does get to the point where like like i'm just even trying to remember the names of all of them right now like drakinis are what the the regular sized people the um uh 5 to 6 foot <laughs> yeah. um and then there are yeah, different obviously different races because there are the um, oh what did we say that the the little people Willow's people are called yeah Nelwins that's right yeah so like there there you go prime like, you example have to add, I'm yeah. having trouble remembering <laughs> <laughs> but like um, they even have they, a dragon they, named they, after Cisco and Ebert so I mean oh yeah that's right yeah yeah there's actually that was something that. It, there's a couple of things in this movie. Like some of the creatures are are named after film critics. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, there's George Lucas having 
Yeah, I, I did want to mention the the get to the effects, but we might as well jump in that this was actually one of the first movies to use morphing. Which uh, was yeah, yeah, the very, Lucas yeah. teams. Uh, they really did a good job with it. Yeah. Yeah, there's a scene when um, uh, Finn Rizel, who is this sorceress that Willow needs to <laughs> to get to you know complete his training. The goat woman. He meets her. Yeah, well, he meets her on an island, and she's a possum. Yeah. With a really yeah. squeaky voice, and then he's trying. You know, she's trying to teach him magic to change her back. And yeah, there's a couple of great scenes with like this morphing thing where she's going at all like an ostrich and do a horse and a goat eventually. Um, but yeah, this was one of the first movies to really use that that style, that visual effect, which nowadays you don't see as much anymore. But it was a very big thing in the '90s. I, I would say that a lot of the special effects that they did that when you because looking back at this and learning about it um, is it's quite impressive like you don't even realize how much digital effects are even in there um, more or less like well no maybe not too digital but but they have a lot of cool effects going on, especially for the two-headed dragon. It actually flows quite yeah. nicely in the, the certain technique that they did with how they actually did the stop motion with the according to the frame in. It flows quite nicely. Um, it's a nice-looking monster. It, it is straight out of a Star Wars movie. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, but uh, it reminds me a lot of you know the Rancor. The Rancor, and, um, yeah. But I was gonna say, yeah. Uh, but the sceneries, the sceneries are probably like the best. Um, composites that they did, especially like their matte paintings and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Like those mm -hmm. really, like there's a lot of like, just watching these um, characters go across like uh, the these large interiors or these uh, majestic uh, exterior uh, locations, and then finding out they're actually quite small and composited together quite brilliantly. Um, I will say, like, the only uh, effects that do kind of stand out is when people are involved with the dragon. Like, that didn't age quite well, for obvious reasons. Yep. And the brownies. Mm -hmm. Like, the brownies are just like, yeah, these look like 2D flat things, like, out of space. Like, they don't really yeah. mix in with the rest. It but was a lot of blue that, screening. Yeah. 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 The brownies are rough for some reason when the fairy characters aren't really, but maybe it's because the brownies are in it so much more. Yeah. Um... Well, the fairies have to kind do of so have many more things. Illumination. I yeah, would the say. lighting's right. a big part of that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I think where, that's a good point too. Where the brownies don't really get that, and then it's just like, yeah, like I can tell you that, like, there's a lot of things that, like, as an like just as a visual artist making stuff and learning about shading, that your brain automatically picks up on that you're not conscious of. And then when you're somebody mm -hmm. who has to go in and like, okay, why isn't this effect working? And it's it always comes down to lighten. And it's hard to figure out because oh, yeah. you know that your brain knows the answer, but you don't know how to always reproduce that without like just the amount of time and effort and energy. And it's, it, it's not to say that these people probably didn't know what was not working, but this movie was, it was, it had a, uh, I, I would say its budget was fairly tight. Like half of it, about half of it, like George was actually like paying out of pocket. So hmm, yeah. the fact that they did as much as they did that did, did succeed, it's surprising how much was like, oh, it's just these one, one or two things that 
just didn't hold up. It's impressive. This was considered to be a big, expensive movie that the studio was not real interested in doing because they had some they had had some recent failures with the sword and sorcery genre because yeah. uh, major studios had released the movies Crawl, Legend, Dragon Slayer, and Labyrinth prior to Willow, all four of which were major bombs. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and all four of which are actually pretty excellent movies, I think. But, um, yeah, at the time, that there just didn't seem to be... There was a big interest in, like, the people making movies in this genre, but it didn't seem to be translating to a box office interest in the in the genre yeah. so i mean even willow um i do think that came to you know george lucas throwing a lot of money out of his pocket to this because they just didn't want to spend the money yeah i would say willow like even willow didn't necessarily do great but it did great in home video which is why yeah. it's even well known it's, today i think in, in the end i mean it's it's it it was made for 35 million dollars uh which when you look at the movie um seems modest even so they did a good job with what they had to work with yeah uh it it did rake in 100 137.6 million box office worldwide so it certainly was not a failure of a film like it uh but you know i do think it i think you're right it was a bit of a sleeper um and perhaps that term had not been coined yet but uh, well i think like there's just certain movies that like they just work kind of better in in a more intimate setting like at home you know mm-hmm. like uh and i think like i don't know like i wish i i can tell you this like like it's already been stated i have not seen this when i was a kid i saw it very recently as a 31 year old um <laughs> and i was like this is quite great i wish i did see it as a kid like um it really been it would have been really cool it would have been one of my favorites i think for sure this this was a cool one as a kid yeah, yeah. I, I think the special effects in it were great and i think it was a just a cool adventure film and i think being somebody who saw this as a young child and then went on to discover things like you know the lord of the rings novels and and, and epic fantasy as a genre of literature um this may have been you know my dipping the toe in moment of oh. into like that entire genre of stuff. Like I'm not sure I was aware of anything prior to Willow. Willow might have been my first experience with that. So it's uh certainly holds a place in my heart for that reason. Um but yeah, it was a cool movie. Like lots of cool effects and monsters and adventure and um I did want to comment real quickly uh on just just kind of supporting your point about the matte paintings there's a shot and it's it's really similar to the scene <laughs> to draw lord of the rings parallel uh there's a scene in lord of the rings um it's it's in the novel i believe but it's also a scene in the film um where you know samwise Gamgee stops frodo and says you know oh mr frodo this is the, the oh, furthest, the furthest I've, I've ever yeah. if i take one more step you know, it'll be the furthest i've ever been away from the shire or away from home or whatever um, there's a similar scene that doesn't have any dialogue here in Willow of them kind of climbing up um, the the group of um, villagers that leave with Willow, uh, climbing up kind of a bluff, and this really incredible matte painting in the background where they have all these kind of like limestone haystacks uh, mm-hmm. kind of forming around this. It's not a bay as much as it's a large like river or something coming down, but you could see the little village, their village in the in the background and kind of it's, it, it's, it's performing the same function as that scene in Lord of the Rings. They all kind of look back for a moment and then kind of just move on. With, but I, I remember being 
very taken by because I had to kind of like kind of squint my eyes and stare and be like, is that a matte painting? Because it looks incredible, and, and it certainly is once I like decided. But yeah, there's some really really great. Um, you know, outside of the dragons and some of the more flashy special effects, there's just it's a really great design of a film. And yeah, um, what'd you guys think of the trolls? By the way, <laughs> I liked them. I thought they were creepy. I you know, they they kind yeah, of ape like things that are crawling up the walls and shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're definitely a different interpretation of the word troll. But uh, as a creature, as itself, very effective, very creepy, kind of funny. Uh, I think yeah. in appropriate ways when it when it want when it's wanting to be funny. Um, I think yeah. they're actually kind of scary the way yeah he said like the way they spider on the walls. It reminds me of the the scene that was never filmed. Um, well, okay, it probably has been filmed because there have been so many adaptations. But the scene in the novel Dracula where uh, Jonathan Harker sticks his head out the mm-hmm. window and sees the the count climbing like backwards along the wall of the castle <laughs> for some reason uh this has always invoked that uh oh they did that, that in bram stoker's dracula me. but in Bra- i was just gonna say bram stoker's dracula the trolls almost kind of look like the uh the like wolf ape whatever creature that dracula takes on yeah. that shape so yeah yeah so if he would have been in that shape while doing the, the wall there is that scene in, in dracula where he does you're that. right yeah but yep. it, yep. it's still you can tell it's shot different because of the perspective this one it is weird because, like, you're looking at characters who are upright, and these things are crawling in these odd directions. Mm-hmm. Um, I also yeah, really like the um, the Nakmar hounds, the big wolf-like. Yeah, um, yeah, the rat dogs. thing. Yeah, the rat. But they've got these long rat-like tails. The, mm-hmm. um, the, the pig dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're really friggin' weird. They are. <laughs> like, yeah, they're yeah, like pig, wolf, and rat all hybridized together. So I mean, yeah, it's, it, it, that's the thing I I think I always liked about like this, or why it, it why it hit the buttons for me as a kid was <laughs> it's doing the same things that Return of the Jedi did. And as when I when I liked this movie when I was a little kid and I was into this, I was also really loved Return of the Jedi because it had creatures same. and yeah. you know yep. had Jabba the Hutt and the Rancor. That's what I liked the most about Jedi when I was a kid. And this has yeah, I mean, you know, I I think it has a lot of those kind of same, you know not beats necessarily it's not a similar story but like it's it it has some things in common with return of the jedi and maybe it's that like you know the creatures and kind of that sense of like magical fantasy there's a lot of wilderness and kind of green i don't know it's got a look to it that reminds me of jedi and uh yeah anyway yeah. Maybe my brain just always goes back to Star Wars when, especially when you see George Lucas in the you opening credits. Talk about but Star Wars. I, well, no, I, I know, but I think I to some degree it's, it's unavoidable because it is. <laughs> this movie wouldn't have gotten greenlit really without Return of the Jedi. Well, and well it's this, got yeah, a lot of the movie, same beats. And, Warwick Davis plays Wicked in Return of the Jedi. Meets George Lucas. George Lucas literally offers him this part in this movie. He's cooking in the back of his head uh, on set while they were doing Return of the Jedi. Yep. He hasn't written it or done anything with it yet. He, I think he literally is just coming up with it as they're shooting Jedi. It's like, hey, I have an idea. You want to do this movie? And Warwick Davis is like, yes, I'd love to do that movie, being like at the time of 16-year-old kid or something like that. Well, because um, well, the indoor movies come before Willow, and Warwick yeah, was in, in those. So I like to think <laughs> – I think we should thank the Ewok movies – uh, for Willow, because I think George was trying to expand on the Star Wars universe after a uh, return, and he was like, "I want to do fan. This is my, this is of course my interpretation. 
wants to do f- these fantasy films, which is makes sense. It's popular in the 80s. Uh, mm. He's like, can I make that in- with Star Wars? They don't do well. They're not good. They don't mix. So I think he decides, like, fuck it, I'm doing it raw. <laughs> doing mm-hmm. it its own its own thing. So yeah, this is like this is a George Lucas Lu- more accurately, sorry. This is a Lucas film uh that's using the same level the same technicians in Star Wars, the same special effects uh levels, the and budget as a Star Wars, but as his own separate thing entirely as a fantasy. And it's the only time we actually got to see that from 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 Lucas that that isn't sci-fi, but is in fact purely fantasy, and it's mm-hmm. it's good. It's good. Uh, like with those in that regard, it is a good I, fantasy film. It is it's properly regarded by those who enjoy it. I think it holds a lot of the same magic that the original Star Wars films did. Yeah, um, and it, it, it especially is close to Return of the Jedi. But but yeah, I think it has that kind of like magic, cinema magic kind of classical. I don't know George Lucas thing. I guess yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's really where my brain goes back to is a, uh, but yeah, it's like poetry. Um, it rhymes. So what <laughs> do you think things. went wrong then? If this could have been the next Lucasfilm uh, saga, why wasn't it? Because I agree. I actually enjoyed this as a kid, and rewatching it was fun because eventually I got to that point where I'm like quoting it along with it, but I don't remember this movie. But it's just like muscle memory, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I still really enjoyed this. But what I've really been trying to think of is what happened, where this one didn't catch on like, like Star Wars did, because it's it, got, it's got the elements. It, it, it people yeah. were burned out with fantasy. Yeah, it I think it's the, the game. That sword and sorcery nor- nosedive in the '80s, where they kept trying and could not make another conan <laughs> essentially like it was people were chasing that movie for the longest time well, um, but he yeah man those was, those movies like he-man was going out of popularity around this time too yeah after being on a huge successful wave yeah, of success it's movie bombed as well yep I, I also think it was a little bit more of a you know high fantasy or classical fantasy mm-hmm. had more in common with like the tolkien novels and uh things like that than some of the other sword and sorcery films that were going on at the time um i'm not sure if that hurt it necessarily uh in people's estimation like i said it certainly was not a failure in any way but it obviously wasn't you know wasn't quite the big smash hit to uh yeah, continue they, to they other just did movies not make and, as much yeah. as they thought they were going to yeah it's just that's yeah. just what it is unfortunately mm. yeah and, and you know I, I think there is a certain kind of like a certain kind of charm to a movie that exists in a bubble and we'll get to the you know the current what's going on with it now in a minute but um a movie that exists in a bubble that didn't become like a big franchise or something this is just you know willow has always just been willow yeah uh and i don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that i kind of yeah. like that it didn't you know spawn 100 sequels and whatever now that's not necessarily true because they have greenlit a sequel series just recently that it comes out next year yeah on disney plus but yeah with a lot of the same cast yeah if, cast if, I mean, if you're willing right. to give the money will disney's willing to do it but warwick is yeah. Yeah. for I mean, years has said there's if they do it 
they're here happily do it. And I think so. We need more Warwick Davis outside of a suit. Uh, he's mm-hmm. a good actor. Yeah. He's an awesome person. He's one of those actors I wish I met. You know, I wish I could meet. Yeah, <laughs> like, he seems like a really, really cool, <laughs> yeah, great guy. Um, and yeah, the new series has not only Warwick Davis returning. Uh, Ron Howard's going to be a, a producer, I believe, on, on the show. Uh, Jonathan Kasdan's writing the show. Um, it's in. It seems like it's in good hands. I feel like a series is maybe a bit of overkill. Maybe they should have tried, you know, I don't know. But nowadays, I guess I don't know. Maybe it's only six episodes or whatever, and that that could be appropriate. But like just like we'll a see. like a we'll like a serial epic. Like it doesn't need mm-hmm, to go yeah. beyond like a constant like a Mandalorian situation. It doesn't need to go beyond that. It could. That would be fine. Or just expand more in the universe. Uh, I don't know. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Bob well, like Dolman, I, I guess, is uh, serving as a consulting producer as well. So most of the people involved in producing the original show, sans George Lucas, are involved. So that's... You know, yeah. you know. Uh, just real quick on the top of my head, I'm thinking about, like... This kind of goes... Again, like This kind of brings up like a topic of ageism in movies. And, like, the idea that, like, even though you have an actor who's, like, still alive and part of a favorite franchise and we're starting it up again, it's like, no, we got to hand the, the, the reins down, the reins down to, um, to a younger group. And I'm like, well, this is where I'm thinking. The idea of Willow, like, in the original movie, uh, the character is, is a little person. Not peop- not a lot is expected from him from a lot of people, even in his own village, because he's a failed magician. He's struggling with his magic, but it's like this kind of story of a person who who's really kind of who who triumphs, who does an amazing thing, with not mm-hmm. a lot of people expecting much of him. So if they do do well, another it's a Willow, rising above, doing the right thing, you know all that, yeah. Right, like just it's one of those stories where like you just have to be a good person, and and brave, with all odds against you. Like you're okay, it's okay for you to be afraid, but you're still willing to go through it. And, like, the idea of, like, having uh, a now an older Warwick Davis. He's not, like, elderly or anything, but I'm just saying he is older. And, like, mm-hmm. having an older wizard story and having him still be a main character, I think would be interesting. To now show, like, I, he, he's now an advanced wizard, but now he has to deal with, like, age and stuff and still try to do the right thing. And not just, like, I have him. I am hoping... Mm-hmm against hope all of my fingers are crossed that he's really a main character in this i hope it's not just a handoff or same like, you know a little same like yeah, yeah. that's I want, I want yeah i want to see more willow like that's that's what i want i have a feeling they can't name it willow and then have him be a background character but uh well knows, the man. the um the yeah. spinoff novels actually they're not necessarily it's kind of cool they actually did expand this universe and i don't know if in this new series if they're going to be using any of that but there's um uh i think it was three novels yeah known as the shadow moon shadow dawn and shadow star chronicles of the shadow war trilogy um yeah like you mentioned written by chris claremont um claremont and actually they seem to focus more on the baby on Elora Dannon when she's a teenager mm-hmm. and like you know, this whole prophecy that's the reason that um, you know they were trying to protect her is because you know Beth Morta was trying to kill her because of this she's gonna stop me prophecy well it's about her becoming this great warrior and Willow's yeah. in it as a 
like a you know kind of an uncle in a way you know you know she they still keep in touch and everything since he saved her when she was an infant but i guess that's where the books go is more into her that still sounds kind of cool like yeah you know it's i think it's a it's a little different show but i think it's an interesting potentially interesting story but i Mm -hmm. want willow (laughs) yeah that's where i'm I'm kind of like I'm kind of with Ryan on that. Like, I I want to see Warwick Davis reprise this role. Like, I want, and I yeah. want to see him. Yeah, I want him in a in a main role. I don't want him to be a side character, constantly. It's great seeing him in a thing, but like, he's a good actor. He's a he he deserves more recognition. Why we still have him, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the Leprechaun films are probably you know not enough to. <laughs> Although he's out of those now too, but. <laughs> right like i i forget that yeah he's the, but i mean like where he's not a villain <laughs> so or a right, creature right, right. but an actual like oh because that would be cool like an old wizards are old man like let's do it let's have yeah. that i mean look look at look at billy barty as the uh you know the high whatever they call them in the baldwin in yeah. the village yeah um i'm kind of thinking willow's gonna be Kind of in that realm. I, he's not going to be as eccentric as Billy Barty, I'm sure. But yeah, look, kind of in that position. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe he's uh Imagine him as anyway. a Luke Skywalker, yeah. like an older Luke Skywalker character, or Yoda. Right. Maybe now, I should go Yoda. All <laughs> kinds of speculation aside, like I, I, I just feel like I am totally on board, totally in 100% agreement with you that uh, that's what I want to see. I want to see Willow. Yeah. I want to see Warwick Davis. Like, um, you know. We need to represent more little people and more elderly actors. I gotta stop saying he's elderly. He's middle aged, but I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I, like, but I mean, that's still the cutoff. You know what I mean? Like, unless mm-hmm. right. like you're Brad Pitt. And I, but I'm sure there'll be a young lead. But keeping him as a central character, I think, is important to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, kind of trying to wrap things up a little bit. Too bad. Uh, We're going to keep going. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Do you have any uh, final thoughts and a grade for Willow? Um, Right off the bat, Willow gets an A, a solid A for me. Um, It's it's good. It's great. It's a great movie. And Warwick is great. Val Kilmer's hilarious in it, too. Like, uh, playing (laughs) with uh, Warwick. Like, them two together, really. Uh, Their dynamic, their relationship's great. Um, a lot of the effects still stand. It's it's the best you're gonna get, and that's a good thing uh, of of a Lucasfilm doing a fantasy thing, something that's not Star Wars. And you're, I don't think we're ever gonna get that ever again. Like I, we just talked about the possible, well, of course, like Disney Plus doing a Willow thing. So hopefully, but pr- prior to that, if that doesn't fan out, this is what we have for sure. Uh, and I think people should see this. A lot of people should see this. Kids should see this now. <laughs> like, I wish I saw it sooner. Yeah. So, there. That's my quick review of it. Yeah. Eric? Yeah, this one's good. I, I I feel like it held up pretty well to, like, my memories and, um, you know, I, just revisiting it after all these years. I'm not sure it's going to go down in, like, the, the pantheons of, of greatest, you know, um, adventure films or fantasy films of all time. But it's it's solid uh, fantasy entertainment, and uh, it's full of likable characters, good performances. I feel like it it gets a bit 
underrated like are amongst its peers you know this is a george lucas ron howard movie right like um these are two major hollywood names and i think feel like this one's a little bit like their i don't know if like cult accidental you know movie that's kind of like kind of been forgotten by uh society at, at large but um i don't know it, it, it's it's very it's very lovable for what it is and it has, I guess, it's hard to, like, and I say this a lot about filmmakers, and I always give this, like, like kind of benefit of the doubt to, like, low-budget filmmakers, and I always talk about, it, like, oh, I admire the ambition. But I'm actually going to give that one to, like, George Lucas at this point, who's, you know, at, at the point when this movie's made is already a, essentially a household name, you know, because of Star Wars and whatever. But I still love the ambition of this movie, trying to put this Tolkien-esque, like, epic fantasy on film which at the time, you know, was a gamble. I mean, they, they had they had studio doubt on the amount of money that they were going to spend on this thing, and he's going out of pocket and, you know, trying to make it happen. And, um, yeah, I don't know. At the end of the day, it's a it's it's a fun sword and sorcery movie. It's 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 light enough that I think you can share it with your family. It's a you know works as a family film. Um, it's but. But it's not so light that it's uh, silly. Like I think it hits on a lot of the like made major important um, messages that a lot of epic fantasy, a la Lord of the Rings, kind of hit on. Um, yeah, it's a. Um, it's probably, <laughs> and we've talked about before on the podcast how this is not necessarily the the greatest. Uh, representation of movies but it's probably among the best uh sword and sorcery films of the 80s i think we've said that about all three or four of them that we've reviewed um dragon slayer uh the conan conan films conquest um <laughs> okay we did not say it about conquest yeah, no, but <laughs> see that for other reasons <laughs> but, uh, more warwick not davis even comparable to willow <laughs> um yeah. anyway i'm, I'm getting long-winded but I think this is a pretty good watch even to this day and yeah this is totally like I started actually thinking about whether I should show this to my kids or not I still think it's a little too um honestly it's the pace that I think will not they won't love it yet I'm gonna wait another couple years just to like get a little more appreciation out of it but they would love the monsters and some of the other stuff about it but I'm gonna give this one a solid B I, I like Willow a lot I think it it still plays very well and it's a it's a fun um I don't know. Probably one of the best examples you're going to get out of this type of movie from this era. So this is this this is the '80s uh, sword and sorcery kind of. Um, I don't know. Is this the epitome of '80s swords and sorcery in a lot of ways? <laughs> and just to yeah, be, I could see that. Wanna, you don't want to increase it, maybe, Eric. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I think that's fair. Okay. I mean, I I would. I, it's not perfect. I, no, it's not. I actually, and, and I'll just jump right in with it, but I, I'm putting this one kind of in the A-, minus, so like right in the middle there. Um, it, uh, yeah, I think there are some effects that are a bit dated, but then again, I look back at other movies that used the... Army of Darkness uses the same, like, blue or uh, yeah, blue screening, you know, mm-hmm. miniature-type thing as they did with the brownies in this, and it looks the same. <laughs> I and actually yeah, thought that the, was just, the Army of Darkness one actually did a better job with their many people. It depends on the scene. But they, they were, nose, they were a pretty, lot darker. But yeah. yeah, and so I, I think it's the same 
tech, but like we said before, a lot of it's lighting. I think all of the creatures in this are really cool, and they're the same thing that you know, I really liked about Return of the Jedi. This was kind of a fun one, I think, to revisit for me, too, because it was something that I really, really liked as a kid. And going back, it still is just as enjoyable. Like, it hasn't changed. It's one of those, like, old friend I haven't seen in years, and we just pick up where we left off. Willow's like that. It actually works. Um, again, it's not perfect, but it it, it, it hits the right notes. It's, you know, the, the things I liked about Star Wars as a kid, the kind of pacing and all of that and the way the effects were done. It's the same thing here, so it, it's a, it's an easy like. Uh, I am excited, too, about the the TV series. I'm just very curious what they're going to do with it. Um, as much as I've mentioned before on the show, I get a little sick and tired of the nostalgia culture all of the time, even though we do a podcast, which is pretty much just that. Um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, this is one I'm actually kind of willing willing to uh, to see expanded a bit because I do think it, it, it has some great potential for it. Um, so yeah, looks like everybody pretty much agreed. Uh, this is a damn fine sword and sorcery movie from 1988, but we would also like to know what any of our listeners think of Willow, if you have a special memory about it or want to share a thought, comment, question, criticism, witticism, please feel free to send those to the Video Junk Air Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Video Junk Pod. Find us on Facebook at the main Video Junk Air Podcast page or the uh, Video Junk Air Podcast group. Of course, hopefully you're listening to us on uh, one of our streaming services like SoundCloud or uh, iTunes. So, Please feel free to share any of those thoughts you have with us. We'd be happy to read them. And coming up on the Video Junkyard Podcast, next week we're going to take a look at the uh, David Cronenberg sci-fi horror classic Scanners, uh, followed up by the uh, P.T. Anderson um, debut feature Boogie Nights, which um, is a, a little bit of a different pick for this podcast, if uh, I do say so myself. But I, I think uh, it'll be certainly... <laughs> bring an interesting discussion so yeah big change um, it's a big change yeah. <laughs> that's right more yeah. it's been a long <laughs> yeah. time coming yeah <laughs> yeah yeah anyway yeah <laughs> tune in for those with the coming up on the video Jacker podcast we want to thank you once again for uh listening with us we hope you enjoyed it we hope you also share it along and until next time this is the video Jacker podcast i'm joe peterson i'm eric O'Branson. and i'm ryan seiskel I was going to say something, didn't you? I will consult the bones! The bones tell me nothing. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend. You just can't let them go? Go! Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash videojunkyardpodcast on Twitter at videojunkpod and on Instagram as videojunkyardpodcast all one word. want to thank you again for listening. And keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard. <laughs>